So this evening I'd like to study something. We Actually, we studied many years ago, and some uh, have not heard, and it's something that was a blessing to me as the Lord revealed it in another manner. But we talk about parables this morning, and there's different things we compare with different things, and that's what a parable is, throw down beside to compare. So we'll, we'll try to make our own little parable tonight uh, to really explain something, and to me, it really explains it well, and I, I pray that it does for you. So what I have tonight is this, is the plans, they used to call them blueprints back in the day, but now they just call them drawing, but this is the plans for this uh, St. Mary's campus in there in Ironton. And uh, it has everything in it. It starts with the topography, the land and everything. And uh, the uh, foundations. And the, today I was visiting somebody at King's Daughters and I love going back here by that new construction, looking around there and everything. And they had all these columns and everything. Well, if you look at this, the columns in there for the St. Mary's uh, campus that really supports the building, they go down 30 feet in the ground. And the columns support the building. The floor in there is kind of a floating concrete pad. And if you're around some of those columns, you'll see there is some movement and everything. But these plans tell us everything about that. And by the way, I lived these plans for about a year while I was building that building because I was terrified of it. Uh, but anyway, it tells you everything about that building. The whole electronics, uh, all the security systems, the safety systems, you can go in there and the rooms where the uh, uh, x-rays and things are going to be, uh, tells you about the lead line walls, just tells you everything about that building, what purpose it's going to be. Uh, the, the hot water system in there, which I think they didn't do it correct. You know, it's a big building, you got these huge hot water tanks. But you've got to get water all the way over there, and it needs to be hot, not turned on for an hour. So typically, in a lot of buildings, you just put a return on and a little circulating pump, and the water just circulates all the time, works fine. No, not in there. Instead of putting that return, they put an expensive, nothing more than a heat tape, and it's called a, a, a heat tray system. And we had trouble with those things. It was just... Anyway, but this will tell you all about it. <laughs> so this tells you everything about that building, from the foundation all the way up to the roof, the type roofing, just everything about that building is in here. And that's, that's the purpose of this. That was the only purpose. Now, sometimes, well, no, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But anyway, so this is everything about that building. Uh, now... We wouldn't want to get confused, these plans, with the building, would we? If somebody would break their collarbone, you wouldn't want to bring these plans for healing, would you? No, you'd go in there to the real thing. This tells you everything about it, but this is not going to help you if you have a broken collarbone or if you need an x-ray. So, I don't think we'd make that mistake. If you get hurt or something, you'd go to the campus in there. You wouldn't say, Ron, uh, where's those plans that you say there was in your office? You wouldn't do that. You would know the difference between these plans and the real thing. 
But these had their purpose, a very important purpose. And some of the stuff in here, Randy, is, uh, as we was building, I thought was kind of funny. Some things are just down, just so specific. And then there's one thing in there that I thought was a joke. You know, they're putting those beams up, and I remember when they stood the first column up, and they hook, and they, you know, they'll hook the beams together and put them together and bolt them and everything. And then they've got that wrench. They'll line up those holes in the beams, and then they stick a bolt through there, and then they tighten them. You'd think that all be foot pounds and everything like that. One of the specifications on some of those areas was an average size man with a 14-inch wrench tighten as tight as he can. That's the, that's the specifics. Most of it's not like that, but I thought it was a joke, but it's, it, it's not. But these were valuable to teach us and get that building built. But now, if you get injured now, you won't come running to these. You would go to the real thing. Uh, so with that in mind, let's go to Hebrew chapter 10. And to me, this just unfolds it just so plain, so clear to me, and helps me understand it greatly. Hebrew chapter 10. And uh, in verse 1, I could also, well, while you're turning there, uh oh, I had a flashlight and it stayed on, I guess. But uh, we're going to read something about a shadow as well. And. This is my hand. You can see that's kind of the real thing. And I don't know if it's not going to work very well. Maybe you can see that shadow a little bit. But anyway, that's the shadow. You wouldn't confuse the shadow with my hand. You wouldn't confuse, I still call them blueprints sometimes, with the actual building. But there is a difference. And there's a purpose. There's a purpose, a very important purpose for these plans of these blueprints. But we need to understand its purpose. Its purpose is not the same as the building. It's to help get the building built in the proper manner. So Hebrew 10, and look at verse 1. For the law. We know it's talking about the Mosaic law. All 610, 13, whatever there are, not 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make those who come to it perfect or complete. That's pretty plain. Could I say the same thing about these plans? These plans, there's a purpose, and they're valuable. But you could never go take these plans to fix your collarbone. That's what this is saying. It's just as plain as that. The law having a shadow of good things to come. These plans, we had them over a year. Well, probably a couple of years, but then they, as they changed. But at least... Complete plans for a year before we started. And uh, there was a shadow of good things to come. But they wasn't the very thing to come. It was a, it was a purpose, a good, an important purpose. 
But it wasn't what was to come. It's a picture, a shadow of what was to come. And, that's, and, and doesn't that, doesn't verse 1 seem so clear with thinking that way? For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make those who come to it perfect. These plans can't fix your collarbone. Wasn't meant to. But it's pointing to something that would. Verse 9 Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So, we have the law, we have the plans first. And then the building came. I'd like to say we don't have any more use for the plans, but yeah, I have to dig into them occasionally to understand something about the building. But Jesus came, it says, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Again, just very plain. He came, and we'll talk about a little more about the law. He came to take away the first, that he would establish the second. And he was the second. He was the very image of what the law is pointing to. The very image. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, something that's, uh, I think, well, I used to misunderstand it, of course. And I assume other people has as well. Matthew chapter 5. Our Lord said something here. Matthew chapter 5. And if you're following along, verse 17, the Lord speaking here. He says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to, what's the last word? Fulfill. It doesn't say, I am not come to destroy, but to keep. Could. But that's not what it says. It says, think not that I am come to destroy the law. Now, we just read, he says, uh, he come to do away the first, then establish the second. And now, is this contradicting? No, it's not contradicting. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. Or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So, these plans are, I'd like to say, not important now, but I can't, I still have to dig into them. But we didn't build that building in there, that campus, to destroy this. 
That wasn't the purpose. We built the building to fulfill what these plans laid out. That was the purpose. So that building fulfilled this. I can take, if my flashlight will work again, but uh, I can do the same thing. If you can see my hand. Uh, so I can hold my hand out here. We see the shadow is underneath. And if I do, the shadow gets bigger and everything. But as I take my hand and go down on that shadow, my hand fulfills every jot and tittle of that shadow. So the Lord, he said, I didn't come to destroy it. I come to fulfill it. We didn't build that building to destroy these plans. That building fulfilled the plans. That's the very image. We don't want, if we had a broken collarbone, we wouldn't want to get confused go into Ron's office and grab these plans. We wouldn't get confused that way. Although I heard there's some candy and stuff in Ron's office. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, we wouldn't want to get that confused. We'd want to go to the very image. Luke, well, let's just go while we're, let's, let's just go to Luke chapter 24. I used to think that back here, said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I come to keep it. It doesn't say that at all. I'm not saying he broke it, but that's not what it says, and it certainly, I think, would change the meaning. If you're turning with me, Luke chapter 24. And verse 44, Luke 24 and 44. And he said unto them, These are the words where I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. All things must be fulfilled. The law is... <coughs> well, these plans are very complicated and detailed. And so is the law of Moses. Just scratching the surface on understanding the law of Moses. I remember one that I, I didn't think I'd ever understand it. I knew what it didn't mean. But... Rhonda, I, I never really thought that I would understand what it meant, and that was garment. They were not under the law of Moses. They were not to wear mixed garments. It had to be 100% wool or 100% this or 100% that. It was not to wear mixed garment, blended. Now, maybe not blended the way we do, but anyway, they couldn't have a piece of leather sewn on here and a piece of something else here. He said, so I used to use that and the law of Moses. I'd say, okay. If you're in the law of Moses, let's, let's go around and check the label and everybody's, uh, see if you're all breaking the law of Moses or not. I knew it didn't mean that. And I used that a lot because I knew it didn't mean that. I didn't have a clue what it really meant. Until one day in the Lord's time, he revealed it to me and very simple. What is our garment? What is a garment? Our covering. What is our covering? The blood of Jesus Christ. And do not mix that 
or blend that with anything else. So clear. I wish I understood everything about the law of Moses that way. But by God's grace, a little bit at a time maybe. So uh, here he uh, said, uh, These are the words which I spoke to you when I was yet with you, the things that must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And of course, in the law of Moses, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but also it's all about the priesthood. That's part of the law of Moses too. Uh, he, let's go to Hebrew chapter 8, if you're turning with me. If you're not, uh, bear with me, and I'll get there, and I'll read it. Hebrew chapter 8. Let's, let's do chapter 7 first, maybe. Hebrew chapter 7. And uh, Well, let me read verse 19. I wasn't planning on it. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw near unto God. How do we draw near unto God? By the law of Moses? No, by Jesus Christ. But what I wanted to read is verse 28. For the law, law of Moses, getting more than ten commandments. For the law maketh men high priest, who have infirmities. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh a son who is consecrated forevermore. So in the law, part of that was the priesthood. Where the priesthood would come to, how they, you had to be a certain, well, nation of Israel, uh, tribe of Levi, seed of Aaron, and then there are certain things they did to make them a priest. So that was through the law of Moses. They made priesthood. But all that was pointing to Christ, our priest, and chapter 8 and verse 1. Now all the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Boy, I like summaries. A lot of times I'm short on time. And just give me the summary, you know. Now of all the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is seated on the right hand of God, the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. So the law made, pre made men priest and what did they do they offered up sacrifices for the sins of the people that was under the law of Moses but now we have one we have a high priest who is seated on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven so now we have a priest seated at the right hand of God intercessor offering sacrifices the only thing, he offered himself as a sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. He was a high priest. Verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So they had the tabernacle in the wilderness. And, and very interesting to study. I wish I had more time to really study that uh, thoroughly. But we have the tabernacle in the wilderness. And had the, the, the boards and the sockets of gold and everything. And uh, so this is where they offered sacrifices and everything. But that wasn't the true. These plans right here are not the true. The building in there is the true. So here it says... Uh, verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, 
which the Lord pitched and not man. Jesus Christ is our is our everything. He's the tabernacle. He's the he's the, the offerings. He's the high priest. Whenever they offered, they would offer a half shekel of silver when they got twenty years old as atonement for their souls. Where'd that silver go? Into the tabernacle. And when they saw those sockets and boards covered with silver and everything like that, they said, Oh, atonement. But see, they didn't understand. That was a tabernacle built of men. They didn't really understand. But it's pointing to Christ, who is our Atonement, the true tabernacle. Uh, verse 5. Who unto example and shadow of heavenly things. That was that earthly tabernacle, which is part of the law of Moses. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. These plans are a shadow of the real building that's in there that you would go to in need of help. And listen what it says a little farther. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, says he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount. What mount was that? Mount Sinai when he gave him the law of Moses. But you see what he said there? Moses, you build it exactly according to the plans that I've given you. Here, we were to build that building in there exactly according to the plans that was given us. And there was a purpose in it. When you walk in, hopefully the building doesn't fall apart on you. Hoping you'll have hot water all the way on the other end of the building. Hopefully when they're uh, x-raying somebody and you walk by, you're not getting x-rays or whatever. So there was a purpose in it. So God told Moses, he said, now, when you go to build this tabernacle, you build it exactly according to the plans that I gave you on the mount. And again, that was on Mount Sinai when he gave the law of Moses. What difference does that make? Now, the building, I can see the importance here, right? You go in there, and uh, there's just so many security and safety and all that in there. I can see the purpose in it. But in this old tent tabernacle thing out in the wilderness, what difference does it make? Does it need to be visual for the uh, camels to look at? What difference does it make? A great difference. It was patterned after, see, it's a little different here. It was, that tabernacle was patterned after something in glory. Hadn't been brought to earth yet. That tabernacle was patterned after Jesus Christ. Now, I guess if we reverse this, we've got a building, and then we go draw these plans. That's kind of the way it was. Jesus Christ was first, hadn't been brought to earth, but he was first. And then we told Moses, no, Moses, I gave you the pattern. It's important for you to build it exactly according to the pattern. Why? Because it all represents Jesus Christ. Those different layers of skins and the boards and sockets and linen, all that stuff. That's why he said that. Build it according to the uh, pattern that I've given thee. And, uh, well, let's move on. Verse 13. Still talking about this. The, the covenant, the Mosaic law, 
and, the, and again, all the things that was in it, the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifices, just, oh, so much in that. Verse 13. In that he saith a new covenant. He hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and groweth old is ready to vanish away. And again, buddy, my, my parable is not perfect here. But this is the old. Is the old ready to vanish away? Well, it's got some stains on it, some tears, probably some coffee stains somewhere and everything like that. It's old, ready to vanish away. But the purpose and everything in there pointed to that. But we don't look at this if we have a broken collarbone. Or maybe an asthma attack or something. We wouldn't, we wouldn't go to this. We'd go to what this pointed to. And, and that's, that's simple. I mean, we, we understand that. But it's the same with the law of Moses. It's the same thing. Law of Moses is very important. We learn, and I, in fact, I think, as far as benefiting me, it's one of the greatest studies that we did studying the law of Moses. It took us over a year. And see all those different things in there. It's all pointing to Christ. But we don't get that confused with Christ. We understand Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Not the law of Moses. This is not healing for your asthma attack or broken collarbone. This is a pattern from which it pointing to that which would help us. Uh, we know I won't go read it uh, I'm struggling not to because I like reading but anyway uh, we had Philip whenever the Lord you know, was calling out his disciples early on and one of them he called was Philip and after spending time with Philip I don't know what all they talked about. I got an idea, but I don't know what all they talked about. After spending time with Philip, and Philip had to understand what he do, he went running out to Nathaniel. We found him. Who did you find, Philip? We found him whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we studied that law for over a year. You don't find the words Jesus Christ in there. Now, it's all about him, but you don't see the word Jesus Christ. And many people don't see Jesus Christ in there, and we'll never see it unless he opens their eyes to it. But Philip, it had been, it had been, Philip had been enlightened. And he, and he was so thrilled, went running out, Nathan, we found him. They knew about the Messiah, they heard about the Messiah and everything. We found him whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth. It's like uh, maybe, uh, David, you can look at these plans and everything and go drive by the building and call somebody, hey, we found it. We found what was on those plans there. It's right over there, the real thing. That's kind of what Nathan did. He didn't understand the law. They didn't understand the law of Moses. They didn't understand the letter of the law. 
They thought you give uh, half shekel silver, that was a tome of your souls. You give this blood sacrifice, that paid for your sins. I told one man, I said, you know, those sacrifices never paid for one sin. And he said, boy, that's kind of a waste. I never thought of it that way. But they didn't. Jesus Christ. But all that is a pattern, a plan, a type and shadow. But don't get the two confused. You see how off track would be if we got the pattern confused with the real thing? Today, look at the religious world. They don't know the difference between the law of Moses and what it was portraying. You see how far off track they are? Uh... Never have enough time. Uh, Romans chapter 10, we won't go there. But said the law is the, uh, the or Christ, you know, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. And that word end, it's very interesting if you want to study it. It means point aimed at. So Christ is the point aimed at in the law. These, that building in there is the point aimed at of these plans. But please don't get them confused. You see how far off we would be. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 3. I know that chapter's been dear to David and, and many of us. Romans chapter 3 and verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Whenever we built that building in there, did we make void these plans? No, we established what was on the plans. And that's what this is saying. The same thing. Do we make void the law uh, through faith? As we look at Christ, do we make void the law? No, we established what the law was actually talking about. When we say Christ is our only, the blood of Christ is my only covering. We're establishing what the law says. Don't have mixed garments. Don't have mixed covering. When we say Christ is our rest, Christ is our Sabbath, we're not destroying the law. We're, we're fulfilling or saying what the law really said. They had a Sabbath day, but it was rest. And all that was pointing to Christ who is our rest. Oh, the law is such a wonderful thing. These plans were such a wonderful thing. Don't get them mixed up. You see where you be. Uh, and you see why the world is. Let me, uh, Galatians chapter 3, let me go there. Galatians chapter 3. I'm glad Rhonda's here tonight, a teacher. And by the way, I, I love seeing the things on Facebook and, and the relationship you have with your students and the things you do. It's just, uh, 
gives me a little bit of hope left in our country. Not too much of it. As I listen to all the politicians, not much hope. I look at Rhonda and some of the things at school, and I, well, maybe there's a little hope out there after all. So, Galatians chapter 3 and 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, and your Bible may say to bring us, I'm going to read that, although that's not supposed to be in there. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now, those words, to bring us, they were added. They're not in the original. Let's read it without those words. Because, well, let me just, let me just tell you what I used to think. I read it like this. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us in Christ. And I thought, well, that's a true officer. Now, I've got stories about, not, not me, but there's one of my buddies out at Waterloo. Uh, yeah, I've got a friend. No, one of my buddies out of Waterloo. This is true, actually. But anyway, he was out uh, Waterloo. He had skipped school. And uh, so back then, these young ones probably wouldn't know, but they had a truant officer. They would go out looking for you and get you and take you to school. And the end of the story is so funny. There's this old gas station, the old guy out there. And uh, so... The truant officers asked him Waterloo. So my buddy, I didn't see this. This is what he told me. He went running into that gas station for refuge, went over behind the counter, and I never knew there was actually a board to come down here, and the counter was here and the cash register was here, and out there was where the people would do whatever they do at gas stations. I never even knew this board was existed, but my buddy <laughs> come running there for refuge, went under the counter, and the tuner officer come in, and old Elmer Cooper slammed that thing up there <laughs> and protecting. So anyway, that's what I thought of as a tuner officer. They come to get you, to drag you to school. That's not what this means at all. Some people look at the law of Moses that way. I've heard somebody say, well, you teach them the law to scare them, to get them into the church. And I said, and then you teach them the truth? And it's kind of a smart answer. Maybe I shouldn't have said it, but I did. So here, what does this mean? The law is our schoolmaster unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. What's that say? Schoolmaster is a teacher. When I was in school, we had teachers. I told somebody the other day that was making fun of my computer skills. And I said, well, when I was in school, we had an abacus. That's what we used everything. But anyway, the law was a schoolmaster. And schoolmaster is a teacher. That's what that means. Schoolmaster is a teacher. What was the subject here? Now, in school, I had teachers at math and different teachers. Different subjects. The law was a schoolmaster. The law was our teacher. What's a subject? Unto Christ. People, that's what the law is. The law was a schoolmaster, a teacher, to teach us about Christ. And it still is. These plans would teach you about that building in there. Well, if you had somebody to guide you, and buddy, we have somebody to guide us. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh... Well, look at verse 25. But after faith has come, or after that building has come, after faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster, no longer under the teacher. 
again, I was under this for about a year studying this. It scared me to death knowing that this is going to be under me. I was, I was scared to death. But after it's built, not under this anymore. I'm under that, which is still scary, by the way. A lot of systems in there. Randy, you know about those uh, rooftop units and everything. Scared me to death. I wasn't used to anything like that. And, of course, those up there, you... And every time the electric would blink, every time the storm, the generator would kick, that rooftop unit would go down. I'm not qualified to do that. So you go up in there and you open the door and you'd literally walk back in it. And there's contact switches and resistors and gauges everywhere. And it'd take about 45 minutes to go through these cycles to get it started back up again. But now we have the real thing. But this is not uh, the real thing. But after faith came, we're no longer under a teacher. No, under the, not under the law of Moses. I'm not under this anymore. The real thing is in there. If I have a broken collarbone, that's where I want to go. Not to this, to that. But you see, if you get them confused, where you would be? And the world, we can see they are. In darkness, they, they don't know. They think the law of Moses is the way. They don't understand about the covering. They don't understand about the priest. They don't understand about the Sabbath day. And I am no better. I don't deserve it. But by his grace, he left us see some of this. And speaking of seeing some of this, uh, let's go. I wasn't going to read it, but let's go to it. Uh, Luke chapter 24. Don Willis loved this scripture, and I do too. As I, and if you allow yourself to think about it a little bit and let it really soak in. We've all been there a little bit to a certain degree. Luke 24, this is where the two was on the road to Emmaus. They had been there at the, uh, when they went to the tomb and saw the empty tomb and all that activity going on. These two was there. So now the body's gone, Christ's gone. We thought this is our king. And there they were on the way to Emmaus, all brokenhearted, head down. Our Lord appeared to them. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I don't think. Uh, so, you know, he told him, he says, what are you so downcast about? What, are you a stranger? Haven't you heard? They didn't recognize him. But look at verse 27. And beginning at Moses, at the law of Moses, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Brothers, sisters, how we have our Bible study downstairs on Wednesday night. Gosh, to have the Lord open up all the things in the law of Moses. Again, we get little bits and pieces. We understand the Sabbath. It's not a day of the week. He's our rest. Hebrew 11.4 tells us the work was finished on the foundation of the world. He's our rest. He's our Sabbath. Don't defile your Sabbath by laboring to get the glory. He's our covering. But all those other things in there, to the Lord, him just point out. And of course, they knew the law. I mean, that's, they, they knew the law. But for him to open, see the other side of it. See what the garment really is. See what the Sabbath really is. All those things in the law, the, the priesthood. See what it really is. 
the different sacrifices they offered and the, and the hyssop and all those different things for him to sit down there and teach us. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, and he gives us what he wants to give us in his own time. But, let's see. After, after he taught them, but where did he begin? If you was going to teach somebody about the Lord, where would you begin? Somebody, you come up to somebody, well, tell me about the Lord. Where do you begin? Well, Jesus Christ began in the law of Moses. But what did he teach him? About himself. So, he walked with these guys, these two guys, beginning at Moses and the law of Moses and told them all them things in the law of Moses. It was him. He'd say, well, you know about the, uh, the tabernacle. You know about the sockets and, and the silver and, and how the law of Moses, you give a half shekel of silver. When that was put in, that was atonement. Well, I'm the atonement. All the way through there, he expounded all those things. And then look, and then, of course, he departed from them. But look at verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us along the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Doesn't your heart burn within you? We get just another little nugget. Whenever he revealed to me why we're not to have mixed garments, (laughs) it's kind of undescribable. There's so much more there, but the sat down with the Lord and Him show you all these things. Now, get, we still see through that glass darkly. But one day, oh my goodness. But don't get, don't get the two mixed up. Uh, gosh, I'm not going to have time. I'm not sure what to leave out now. Uh, let me just mention this. Back in Nehemiah, you can read. You know one time they lost the law of Moses? They misplaced it. Sounds like me in my office. <laughs> Could misplace things in there. But they misplaced the law of Moses. Can you believe it? They misplaced the law of Moses. Well, finally somebody found it back in the uh, temple at that time. They brought it out. What's this? And they pointed. They said, okay, we want to get everybody together and read it. They read the law of Moses. How long do you think it'd taken to read it? Well, Ten Commandments, that'd just take, what, three minutes? Probably. You know how long it took them to read the law of Moses? Three hours. You say, well, that's, they read it and then they talked about it. Well, they did read it and talk about it. But they read it for three hours, and then they talked about it for three hours. More than Ten Commandments, folks. This, I guess this building is more than 